Philippians chapter 4, I have been in a series uh, focusing on the specific aspects of Paul's encouragement at the end of his letter to the church at Philippi about what we think about, the different things that come into our minds and that occupy and sometimes overwhelm our thinking. So we've been looking at verse number 8 and 9. Today I want to talk about think on whatever is just. We started a few weeks ago with thinking on whatever is true. And we talked about how that requires, before we can get to the place of truth, that we have a relationship with the author of truth, Jesus. Last week we talked about thinking on whatever is noble or honorable. We went over different scenarios that generate honor before God. In each case, we understood that the world, for us, does not define truth nor honor. Our friends do not define truth or honor. And without question, the statement almost doesn't need to be said, social media definitely does not define truth or honor. It always comes back to the word of God and our growing, living, breathing relationship with the Lord. That will bring truth and honor into our lives and into our thinking. Philippians chapter 4, I'll read the two verses again. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate or think on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. And the God of peace will be with you. Now, it's good to be able to clean up our thinking, but also understand Paul's ultimate goal and focus here. The end result of this is that the God of peace will be with us. And I'm sure all of us in this crazy time that we live in could use the God of peace walking with us. So today, we're looking at whatever is just. Some of your translations might just say whatever is right. But I'm going to focus on just as this translation says. It's always wonderful to see a bunch of kids playing, whether it be on a playground or in some type of school setting, especially younger kids. But inevitably, as children can be, when there are a bunch of kids together, and especially if there are more children than toys or more children than things to play with, Inevitably, you will hear the phrase, it's not fair. Competition for toys or competition for various treats, and even in some settings, just competition for attention. It's almost ingrained in us from when we're really small, this sense of justice. However, we as children, it is usually centered on our perspective and our view of the world. Normally, as adults, we don't cry out like children do. I want to underscore that word, normally. 
But we often have this thinking that is just the same when we feel taken advantage of, when we feel we can't just catch a break, when someone jumps ahead of you in a line, when a dear friend or family member falls ill, especially if that family member has already gone through a number of things. And inside we have this feeling, it's not fair. The underpinning or deeper thought of this thinking, if we're honest, is that we or that individual or whoever it is, deserve better. So what is Paul trying to communicate here? Paul encourages us that whatever is just, think on these things, and our minds run in a thousand different predictable directions. First, let me be clear about a few things, because I don't want to be misunderstood. Christians, of all people in this world, should be people who pursue justice. Helping those who are downtrodden is what we should be about. Defending those who have been marginalized or pushed to the side by any culture should be where Christians are. We, of all people, should be the ones standing for equality. We believe, as Peter learned when he came to the house of Cornelius in the book of Acts, and after he had seen the vision on top of his house, in Acts chapter 10, We read, then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth I perceive that God shows no partiality, but in every nation whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. We believe that, that our God does not play favorites. Our God does not see one group of people as more important than any other group of people. We love our nation, but God does not love America than any other nation on this planet because God shows no partiality. And we believe, as Paul told the church at Rome, simply in Romans chapter 2, for there is no partiality with God. But our goal today is to understand justice from not our perspective or from our world or from our experiences, but to understand justice from God's perspective, not our own. I'm not just holding for or fighting for what I deserve. It's not fair. Aren't you glad God doesn't treat us fairly? We just sang the song about amazing grace. If God treated me fairly, he would give me what I deserve. Thankfully, I get the grace of God and the blessings of God flowing into my life. You see, God's vision of justice brings us something that is far greater and far superior than fairness. Something much greater blessing than any rewards of quote-unquote human justice could ever provide. Now again, while I believe that we as God's people need to be involved in correcting the wrongs in our society, I know and trust in the one who will truly one day correct them all. God will stand and correct them all. 
Ever since the fall in Genesis, God has been about correcting wrongs that have shaped and become part of our existence. Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 4 reads, He is the rock. His work is perfect. For all his ways are justice. A God of truth and without injustice, righteousness and upright is he. Psalm 89, verse 4, Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Mercy and truth go before your face. We serve a God of justice. Anyone who says God is not fair does not know God because God's very foundation, the foundation of the throne from which he stands and sits is justice. But where does God's justice toward us ever since the fall in the Garden of Eden begin? What was Paul trying to communicate to these Philippian Christians? God's justice begins with the symbol that is on the wall behind me. Isaiah 42, verse 1, Behold, my servant whom I uphold, my elect one in whom my soul delights, I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the Gentiles. Your translation might say, to the nations. We all know and love the scripture in Isaiah 53. And when we come to the place of thinking about the foundation of thinking on whatever is just, we start with, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was put upon him. And by his stripes, Pastor Chris, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Because of Jesus, the penalty for your transgressions and my transgressions has been paid. Because of Jesus, he took our punishment. That is God's justice. He was beaten in your place and in mine. And while I hear so many people quote verse 5, Verse 6 follows, we have all gone astray. We have all gone our own way. We all like to do things my way. It was a wonderful song that Frank Sinatra sang, but no, it's God's way that needs to be in front of us. But our iniquity was placed on him. That is God's justice because of Jesus, because of God sending his son to take our place. That is the perspective from which God views justice. He saw a broken world. He saw a fallen people. And he said, I've got to fix this. And his fix was Jesus coming as a little baby that we just celebrated at Christmas, dying on a cross and rising again to pay the penalty for our sins and to provide us an abundant life. Because of Jesus, we get something a whole lot better than fair. We get blessed. We get blessings beyond compare. Because of Jesus, We can walk in the freedom that Romans chapter 8 
verse number one says, there is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but walk according to the spirit. We live in a world that cries for justice. And in many places, justice needs to be fought for because it's not present. I get that. But when it comes to us individually, especially us as Christians, I can't look at the world's perspective of justice without thinking about what God did for me in his own perspective of justice. He saw a man who could not save himself, who could not right his own wrongs, who could not cleanse his sins away. And he said, I've got a plan, and that plan is just. Because of Jesus, we are no longer children of wrath, but Ephesians 2.3 says we are children of God. You see, as Christians, we should defend the weak. And as was been mentioned this past weekend a lot defending the weak includes defending the unborn as Christians we should stand up for the widow as the Bible calls and care for the orphan and insist that all people be treated equally regardless of how they look or where they're from God's justice brings a goodness and a joy but what he brings is not fair I think sometimes when we look for fair, we're shooting way too low. I want what God gives me, and he gives me a whole lot more than fair. He gives me an amazing grace that's way above fair. God brings an abundant life that I don't deserve. But God, I've been so good, and I've walked in your ways, and things are going bad. Don't I deserve better? No, we don't. I can tell from you from personal experience. I would love to be able to stand behind this pulpit and say to you today that those three and a half, four days that were the worst of my sickness with COVID, uh, COVID that I sat there on my living room sofa and just quietly praised God and there was no pity party whatsoever, but I'd be lying to you. I was looking up at the heavens and saying, Lord, I thought we had a deal. I'm your servant, and I feel absolutely awful. And his grace proved to be sufficient for me. And I figured, Lord, well, I'm sitting here and really can't do much of anything. Well, I can read and study and grow deeper in your word and deeper in other theological principles and I would open books that I have and get about a paragraph in and sound asleep I was and then I would wake up with the book on the floor and Lord again I thought we had a deal here but God's abundant life is his gift not his reward it's a gift he's given us God also gives a peace that is beyond comprehension. And it's a peace I don't deserve. Have you noticed the level of anxiety in our culture today? That 
people are afraid of everything and everyone and every principle and there is just this lack of peace. And when that peace of God comes into you and me, how many know he gives you the peace and it doesn't make sense? People look at you and say, how can you be so calm? How can you be so uh, uh, peaceful? Our answer should be simple. Jesus. Jesus. But the whole world is falling apart. Jesus isn't. But people are fighting everywhere. Jesus is still on the throne. Even many in the church are falling away, but Jesus is still Lord. And that hasn't changed. And nothing that happens outside the church is going to change that. And nothing that happens inside the church will ever change. Church, Jesus is Lord. And that brings a peace that passes all understanding. But peace is like a lot of other things that the Lord gives. Did you ever give someone a gift and you knew them well so you were at their home often? So you give them a gift nicely wrapped and they say they're going to open it later. And you go to their home like three months later and the gift is still sitting someplace unwrapped. I know that's never happened to you because you're all wonderful people. But there's a peace. But we have to unwrap that gift. We have to embrace that gift. We have to be willing to walk in that gift even when there are so many forces trying to take that peace away. Medical reports about friends and loved ones. It's been a challenge for all of us who love and cherish Pastor Chris to hear the varying reports of him getting sick and then getting a little better and then not getting better at all and then it's been kind of up and down and that can take its toll on us I'm sure it's taken its toll on his family but his peace gets us off the roller coaster which of course as you know is fine with me but it's a peace beyond comprehension how can you be peaceful when there are so many things going wrong in your life. But I know one thing that's not going wrong in my life. Jesus is still my king. Jesus is still my savior. And it's a peace I don't deserve. God also brings not just an abundant life and a peace to me. He brings joy. Now that doesn't always translate into happy. Sometimes I'm not happy. Those four days on that sofa, I can attest, and my wife and son will be evidence to the fact that I was not happy. I was definitely not happy. But I can tell you I had joy. I had a joy that is the strength. It is the joy of the Lord. Not the, well, it's been a good day. Not not that, well, things are going well. Not at the Lord keeping what we thought, hey, Lord, I thought we had a deal. Everybody else gets sick, but I don't get sick. No. I have a joy knowing that he was wounded for my transgressions. 
he was bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement of my peace was laid upon him. And by his stripes, I am healed. Abundant life, peace, joy. Those are the things he gives because God is just. Now, we have equated in our culture the words just and the word fair. And we can't separate the two. But God does. He looks at what is fair and says, no, I've got to give them something better than that. I'm going to give them just. And he sent his son. So when Paul is instructing the church at Philippi to think on things that are just, he's instructing them to always remember in the situation that they were in, they were a minority in the church at Philippi. That whole town, that whole culture was not far off from what was going on in the capital city of Rome. They were looked down upon. They were seen as untrustworthy. They were belittled and marginalized. And to top it all off, as having a faith that was allegiant to Jesus, they were seen as unpatriotic and unfaithful to Caesar. And because of it, it got in the way of many things in Philippi, as it did in many other cities. It got in the way of them being able to have jobs, not only get them, but hold them. It got in the way of storekeepers being able to do business. It got in the way of so many social interactions just because we, they proclaimed the name of Jesus. Gee, it's a shame we can't identify with that today, huh? We're looked down upon for our faith. We're criticized for having a belief in an almighty God. It has become taboo to even talk about Jesus in so many settings. And I've, as many have, when I'm at work or in different settings, I won't talk much about my faith unless you ask me a question. When the guys were asking me as I came back to work after being sick, how you feeling? Good. Everything healed pretty much. What was the worst of it? And I would tell them, the sore throat or whatever it was. How you feeling now? I feel great. You feel great? Why? Aha. (laughs) Was waiting for you to ask the why. And I mentioned my faith in God. My faith in God. He healed me. And they would quickly change the conversation to something else which is their privilege. Go ahead, change it. It doesn't change what the truth is for me. Isn't that the testimony of your life? That God has been just with you. He's been a just provider. He's been a just healer. He's been a just companion. He's been a faithful and just savior. Thankfully, He's not been fair with me. He's not given me what I deserve. He's given me something better than fair. He's given me blessings upon blessings upon blessings. 
we as God's people can work so that others can enjoy these things too. But don't you want things that are fair for other people? No, I want better than fair. I want better than fair for other people. I want them to enjoy the best God has to offer. And we can rest and trust in God that when I see so much injustice around us, so much sin and many things that are a scourge on our nation, I know God's going to set this all right one day. As we sang today, he's coming back. Church, do you believe he's coming back? He's coming back. And there will be no governmental gridlock when he comes back. There will be no debates and filibusters and all kinds of partisan nonsense. When he comes back, there will be Jesus, and that will be the end of the conversation. So I can rest that my Jesus will set things right. After all, look at what he's done for you. Look at what he's done for me. Look at what he's brought us through. Look at how good a God we serve. Paul made it clear. Think on whatever is just. Right away, our minds go to human fairness. I want to elevate us today to God's justice that began at the cross with Jesus taking the penalty for you and me. God saw that as just, and we can too. Stand with me, please.